Welcome back to the first episode of season two of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I am excited to keep it rolling, and I am even more excited because today I'm joined by Lloyd Evans, who I've been trying to get on the show forever. I did not have to fly to the United Kingdom and twist his arm and force him to come on. He came on at his own will. He's an awesome photographer and an even more awesome dude, and I'm really excited for this one, and I hope you guys like it. When was the last time you were on Clubhouse? Um, properly, maybe like three, four days ago, but I do dip in and out daily. Yeah. Uh, just to see if there's any chats. And I feel like I've built up a network of friends on Clubhouse. How have you found the transition from Clubhouse to the big Goliath, the platform everyone cares about Instagram? (laughs) My, my follower count went up considerably when I first Clubhouse. And I don't, I don't think I want to uh relate that to clubhouse but there was there was a correlation right as Uh, in that wasn't your goal to be on that app yeah exactly it wasn't when i went when i joined clubhouse it wasn't this is another way for me to promote my instagram account right it was just happened to be a byproduct i feel yeah for sure especially as my first foray into clubhouse was before there were landscape photographers on there i just died head first into the wedding community because myself and Sophie, we set up the business in October. So we're still fairly new to it. No kidding. Uh, It seems like you've been doing your elopement and wedding stuff for much longer. No, we've, we've not shot a, an elopement yet. No, it's all just been, uh, friends that we've been out with or, um, we've, we've shot two weddings together in, the last like three years, but now we've got maybe four or five in the next 12 months. Wow. Um, talk about which, like talking about growth, man, going from like nothing to that in such a short amount of time. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a lot more if the, uh, the form incident hadn't happened, but you know, tell us about that because that's one of our topics for today, right? Is, Aaron, on the last episode, if people are listening to this back to back, it'll be fresh in their mind. The, the question was about, is there wins and losses or are there wins and lessons? And when you told me this story, it broke my heart too, because I could just, I'm an empathetic person and I just felt so devastated for you. And you literally used the word devastated when uh, you tell the story, right? You had set up your, your new website and you weren't getting any leads and yeah, you were so, kicking uh, yourself wondering why, right? Yeah, we set up... We are found in October, launched it, and it's been six months now, seven months, and we we haven't had a single inquiry off the website. They've all been through emails, right. and then someone emailed us and was like, oh, I've messaged your contact form a week ago, and you didn't get back to me, but we really like your stuff, so I'm going to send an email anyway. And then I went back to the contact form, and there was... 15 inquiries going all the way back to november so we and you know why that hurts man that hurts because i know that that whole time you were probably multiple times asking yourself what am i doing wrong why are we not getting anything from the site i put all this work in absolutely we were we had so much pressure because so my my wife and me um she's working full-time and yeah. I'm now trying to make it in the freelance commercial world 
So right. a lot, a lot of the pressure was on me because for her, it's an additional income. For me, it's my income. Yeah, um, can so relate. I had a lot of pressure. I had a lot of pressure on making it right, like getting it right and making sure it works. Yeah, because I felt like what we were offering was. I wouldn't say it was unique, hmm. but definitely something around this area that isn't seen very often. Yeah. Um, which is the sort of the storytelling through photography. Right. With my landscape work and her attention to detail. That's a good, uh, that's a good power duo. How would you say you perform under pressure? Like, do you enjoy, like some people thrive under pressure and some people collapse. And I think, it's a spectrum, but I think typically people lean to one side or the other. Um, you know, saying that it's your only income or uh, like the heavy source of your income, I can relate to that, but I feel lucky to, I personally feel like I thrive under pressure and like when my back's against the wall, how do you deal with that concept? I mean, it definitely made me put my everything into it. Um, someone said to me a long time ago, not to have a plan B. Because right, if you have the lifeboats, yeah, then you're always going to be looking back at that as as an option. So yeah. that's why I feel it took me so long to go freelance. Right. I was out of the door rather than making that jump. Right, because, thrown out of the boat. You got to sink or swim. Yeah, because I always had a plan B because I was employed in theatre for 15 years. Right, and you no longer do that, right? Yeah, so I do it very rarely. Right. I, I still go back and forth, but it's maybe once. But it's three. on your own terms, I think, which is important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've gone from working 80 to 90 hours a week. Uh, no on a kidding. Production to zero during the pandemic. And I know you don't want to talk about the pandemic much <laughs> <laughs> on this show, but it's, it's the elephant in the room. Um, so that was a real like life lesson and yeah. kind, kind of, trying to adjust to working all the time to not working at all. Right. So here's another follow-up then. I mean, how do you, I guess almost fight the urge to panic, right? Cause some people get in that circumstance where, you know, it happened to me too. Like my income, people have heard this on the show went from a good amount, chunk of change to zero overnight. Um, you know, and that's, that can really start a panic in a lot of people. I'm sure it did for a lot of people. How do you, how do you stay grounded, I guess, and just in your own life and, and try and preventing yourself from totally imploding during times of stress or adversity? I think I did panic and I did yeah. go into a sort of dark place for a while. Like right. it took me a, a month or two where I was in a place that I needed to get out of and I knew I needed to get out of it. I just wasn't sure of the way in which to like get how? out of it, which is why, yeah, I thought like the world had closed for, an, for a third time mm-hmm. in the UK. There were, there were no options, um, which is why I then sort of decided to focus all my efforts into trying to get myself out of that hole rather than right. just wallow in it. Right. I feel like when I, I feel like when we hit the bottom, there's, <laughs> there's literally, you can either lie down at the bottom or bounce off the bottom and upwards, you know? Yeah, man, for sure. And, um, 
Sophie, who's my partner, you'll probably hear me talk about her loads. She's she's <laughs> definitely my love. Nice. And she's the person that will lift me up when right. I'm feeling my lowest. Because she's super creative herself. She's a multimedia artist and has her own thing going on. And so we were both kind of just, we need to make this happen for you. You've been given this opportunity to go full-time freelance. You've wanted this for so long. Why are you not making it happen? So it was kind of, that's what made me sort of pit pull my bootstraps up is that the is that the yeah yeah yeah. of course it's like somebody ripped the blankets off the bed and it's <laughs> it's now what right i mean i love that you said that you know i guess in the sense of the world what a horrible circumstance but in the sense of the individual self what an opportunity right um what an opportunity to finally go for what you had been hesitating upon you know yeah, definitely. I think it's um, that push that I had that financial security and I had that blanket that, I, yeah, as you said, like someone's thrown it off and you've just got to go for it, like full pelt and mm-hmm. put you go headfirst into it. Because if I fail, which I don't have any intention to do, but if I do fail, then I've still got that opportunity to well i've been given this opportunity to do this thing right and if you fail you're back at where you started it's almost like i like to consider it a free lottery ticket you know what i mean if if you somebody gave you a free lottery ticket and you scratch it and it loses you're in the same spot you were but if you hit it big then you're laughing um i think this really comes down to i admire your ability to pivot um and i think it's really important for creators to it's almost creative in itself learning how to pivot and figuring out what you need to change or, um, and I think it takes a, uh, a very self-aware person. And I think it's the pandemic, um, even still in Canada, cause we're locked down. There's lots of opportunity provided for us to look inwards and, and figure out what we want to do more of what we, what's working. We want to do more of and what we want to do less of, you know? Um, so I'm interested to hear how your journey since then into commercial photography has been, yeah, so um, I f- primarily shot landscape work, as as you know. And yeah, so, we're going to get into that because you've been my, my Earth Tones guy, but that's for later in the episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I, I shot landscape work for three, four years. I had occasional brand opportunities where when I shot brand stuff, it stood out on my feed because it was something way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And then we got locked down and I couldn't go anywhere and it ate away at me. But then I decided to start doing product work from inside the home, Mm -hmm. trying to utilize those, uh, that 1924 inspired flat lays. 1924 us or 1924. Yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. That is a great website. Everyone should check it out for aesthetic vibes. You're the second person. Sam mentioned that too. Yeah. Well, Sam, Sam's a big inspiration for me and he, he knows it as well. And his product work, was a it was a huge sort of telling point for me that I could start doing product photography right like while while I couldn't 
go and shoot landscapes. Yeah. And since then I've met up with Sam and he's a great guy and we've had the chance to shoot product stuff out in the wild, which is where I sort of I'm leaning to now is taking those products and putting them in places that they're not supposed to be. Yeah. Um, which I guess is the opposite of what Sam said in terms of <laughs> each each product having a uh, a backstory and a character arc and yeah. having its supporting characters. I cr- I really like the juxtaposition of it. Mm-hmm. So having that product completely out in the wild, or having something because I feel like I've shot my niche. I still only work with brands and companies that I relate to. Yeah, you're not going to be seeing me selling or promoting CBD oil anytime soon. Oh, we all get those in our email box, eh? (laughs) Yeah, what about the uh, coffee cup ambassador? Oh my God, if I get one more coffee ambassador thing, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to stop drinking coffee altogether. (laughs) No, but I think it's important too that when we're we're mentioning Sam, we're mentioning Sam East and that's at Bearing East on Instagram. And yeah, he was saying that he likes to treat his products as characters in a movie and everything else is adding to the story somehow which like blew my mind when i heard that for the first time i've never thought about it differently after that you know you have your main characters and then the things you put on the table for example in a flat layer the supporting characters it's crazy i love the way that guy thinks it's cool to hear it's rubbed off on you everybody should go back and listen to that episode if they haven't as well it's it's deep in the the uh, playlist here but um yeah it's well well worth to listen to yeah and um i think the the podcast and he gave me a little shout out as well that kind of uh-huh. opened up our our relationship cool uh so yeah i think i think it's been good and um i've missed what we were talking about so <laughs> well i'll bring it back um yeah i Sorry. think you were also mentioning something about I think maybe a couple minutes ago, but the comfort zone, you just used that, that phrase. And I love that phrase. Cause we talked about that on the last episode. Um, the one year episode, you're also the first episode for season two. So congrats to you. Congrats to the UK. We'll play the UK national anthem. Um, no, but you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned, uh, the comfort zone. And I want to talk about this because, and going back full circle to clubhouse, which we were talking about, I feel like, um, like you said, Clubhouse for you wasn't a means to grow your Instagram, which you know is the the major social media platform for photographers. But I feel like you were very good at leveraging Clubhouse to improve something that you were initially uncomfortable with. I'd rather you elaborate on it if you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, man, definitely. My public speaking was dreadful. And every time I unmuted the mic on clubhouse i had the nerves go i was shaking and i just got to a point where i was like i i wouldn't uh i wouldn't know what to say yeah and so i would unmute my i would mute my mic and i'd just like sort of tail off but i feel like i set myself the goal to get better and go up on stage regardless of if I had something meaningful meaningful to say mm-hmm. or not it was just it was another avenue avenue for me to get better with my public speaking right 
And now, I mean, repetition is like- the mother of skill too, I feel like, right? Like if you continually did it, I imagine you got to a point and I'd like to know at which, how long into this, this occurred. I imagine you got to a point where you were like, this isn't really, I don't know what I was so worried about so long ago. Yeah, I mean, especially with Clubhouse. Um, it's such a positive platform. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I haven't found any of the negative sides of Clubhouse. And I found that when I was first starting, I was using my notes app and writing down what I was going to say. Right. As, not, not to have a conversation, but just as a sort of jumping off point. So. Yeah. If I had a question to ask, I would write that question down so that I would I wouldn't stumble over my words. Right. Whereas now I feel like and it's probably due to weekly conversations with yourself and Brett mm-hmm. and Aaron and uh Ellis and Ed, like having people I've known for a long time be that familiarity. Yeah. It's definitely helped. And then from there I think I've built a sort of community through Clubhouse, mainly of wedding photographers mm. who I now consider good friends and who uh, their input into my business and my process has been, like, no joke, like, life-changing. Right. Because they are imparting their knowledge freely and it's having... Um, we were saying earlier, it's really hard to go on Clubhouse and find that knowledge that is worth listening to. Right, who's well, the expert? When you've got people that you trust and you know, you're definitely going to take more of what they say on board. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's like, if I'm looking to get... Um, you know, advice on how to get more in shape or more fit. Like I'm going to the strongest guy at the gym, you know, if I'm looking to get advice on how to eat healthy, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to go to somebody who's clearly like full of energy and, you know, moving well. Um, so I think it, it speaks to seeking sources that are, you admire, right. Or that you, you respect their opinion. And I, I use that example for when, when people get negativity on, you know, a photo or something they've shared. If you're receiving negativity from or criticism from someone who you really don't, I guess respect would be the right word in the sense of, you know, look up to them, either their values or their art or whatever, you should sort of just disregard that. Like I know I have a community and network of close photographers that I trust their opinion. And if they say something, yeah, I'm going to absorb that and see what I can change or see what I can improve. But going back to uh, the topic we were talking about, the comfort zone, it seems like just immersing yourself in that thing that is terrifying is step one. Yeah. And I think I've applied that to a lot of the things in my life. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't pick up a camera the the first day and you're an expert. You work at it and you build those skills by constantly doing the same thing whether that's going back to the same point over and over again and improving your composition or going back to photographs you've previously edited and re re look at them and recompose them i feel like 
repetition is definitely something I, I've never really thought about this. So it's a really interesting thing that you've brought up um, that I definitely, uh, I definitely thrive on doing the same thing repeatedly and hoping for a different result. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually interesting too. Cause I was, do you know who Steve Harvey is? No, I don't. He is a comedian slash game show host in the U S he hosts a show called family feuds. Everybody in North America will know what this show is. Um, I was reading something that he wrote and he was saying, you know, when he first started as a comedian, he would go to a comedy club and tell the same jokes for, you know, 20 bucks a night. And then he would go back the next week and as he gained popularity, he'd still still tell the same jokes with better delivery, but you know, and then he got paid 500 a night all the way up into the point where he was making millions of dollars and hosting game shows. And he just attested it to, look, I just kept doing what was working and refined my approach and just kept practicing repetition. So I think that was really a cool thing to read. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I've just looked him up. I, I definitely know who you mean. The big, he's, yeah, the uh, huge mustache. and Yeah, he's a, he's a meme. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's his story, right? He was a comedian getting paid like minimum wage to club just night after, and he just kept telling the same jokes but doing the delivery better and better and better to the point where he's hosting game shows. And I think that speaks exactly to what we're talking about, doing more of what's working and practicing the fundamentals and just refining in a more detailed sense what's already working yeah and i think then that gives you the opportunity to add um add things to your bow yeah your arsenal i call it yeah um for me it was creating this this group of guys around me in this community and that has improved my skill set tenfold by surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Yeah, um, I love you I, said that. I know I've mentioned Ellis uh, previously, but him, Ellis Reed, he is a huge part of why I consistently go out and shoot locally because mm. he's Mr. Bath and uh, <laughs> Mr. Bath, <laughs> Mr. Bath. <laughs> For people who don't know, Bath is a place in the UK. It's not like he's Mr. Bathtub. He's Mr. Bath. Yeah, and I... So, myself and him, we run IGS Bath uh, along with Maisie Walker. And he re-inspired my love for the place because I sort of fell out of love because I got into nature so much Mm. that I didn't want to shoot the city and stuff. And every sort of commercial job we have we'll send each other stuff back and forward to try and get feedback. And I think it's really important that you get honest feedback from the people that you, that you look up to. Yeah. And it also sounds like you gather inspiration from people. Yeah, massively. Right. Cause I think, like, a, would you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert in that sense? Uh, I consider myself an, introvert but people would definitely say i'm extroverted i'd say you're a hybrid that's what i was gonna say that's why i want to hear your opinion because it seems like you're very you you tend to you like to i guess look inwards and think and be with yourself but it also seems like you get juiced by bouncing off of the energies of other people yeah there's um someone described it as an ambivert 
An ambivert? Yeah, A-M-B-I-vert. How do you spell that? I'm going to look it up while you talk about it. A-M-B-I-V-E-R-T. And it is a mix of both. Because I think I am introverted to the point where people get to know me. And then I will come out of my shell and give them more of myself. But also, I feel like... I will still have those introverted tendencies when I'm in an uncomfortable situation, even with people I, I know already. Right. I'm reading it right now. And the definition is a person who has a personality that has a balance of extrovert and introverted features. If you're a person like this, you feel equally fulfilled, whether you're out in a crowd or at home reading a book. Yeah, definitely. I found during the pandemic that I missed people a lot. Yeah. And before then, with my old job and the sort of the mindset I would have is I hate people, but I didn't hate people. I just hated being around the certain people. That's just it. Being Um, around the wrong people sucks. I thrive around people, I feel. Like there is so many uh, moments where. I will go out and shoot by myself, but I will find myself shooting with other people is more fulfilling to me, both from a sort of social point of view. And also I feel like I produce my best work because I'm bouncing off people and we're having a good time. It just feels like it's less of a job if you're surrounding yourself with, with those like-minded people. Right. I'll tell you what's an interesting experience is shooting wildlife with people because you need to remain like I, I I am I know from experience like shooting landscapes with people is a lot of fun you're chatting and you're coming like you're tweaking each other's settings or like try this you know what I mean but with wildlife when you're not by yourself you still have to remain so quiet right so you're out with yeah. this person and you're not really speaking and it's a very cool experience because you start to pick up on how much you communicate just with body language and just with like, this is going to sound so lame, but with vibes, you know, facial expressions and things like that. I'd be excited to see if you went out doing wildlife, how you would feel about that. <laughs> but if you ever come I, here, I love to do more wildlife. Yeah. Um, me like we, uh, so last week we went and shot out to photograph some wild horses Nice. Yeah, I saw that. Those were awesome. They're such beautiful creatures, but I wouldn't say that was real wildlife photography because we were there with our 24 to 70s. So not particularly far away, but far enough away that you're giving respect to the animal. And then they they were on the side of the road. So it's not like you're going to sort of hide. You're just taking... uh, you're taking advantage of the opportunity that that presents itself. Right. Well, a lot of wildlife photography is that it's putting yourself in a position, maintaining patience. And then for like two seconds, rapid firing a shutter. Like I should send you a picture of my friend at Nooch 10 on Instagram. He's been texting me full camo, full ghillie suit on his belly, just waiting for foxes to come out, which is crazy. But you know, I love that. I love in photography, how everyone is drawn to, 
to so many different things. I remember you were just saying earlier about how the pandemic was driving you crazy. Like you couldn't go places, um, but you still felt that need to express yourself creatively with photography. So you took up, you know, commercial product stuff, which is so cool. And for me, it was the same thing, but it was, you know, how do I still stay outside and how do I still keep clicking the shutter without being able to go or travel anywhere? And I realized, Oh, like there's animals in my, my backyard. So it was cool to hear you say that a few minutes ago, just how you felt that need to, again, I say this all the time, people, people need to start drinking a beer every time I say this to come full circle. (laughs) It goes to the idea of pivoting really. Cause I mean, there's two options are you can stop shooting and wait for the world to open up or you can try and figure out and discover some other things you might like. Yeah. And I think that I definitely found that I, enjoyed shooting products but it wasn't entirely for me which is why I then adapted that pivot to something that works for me mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm more alive when I'm outside as cheesy as that sounds right I feel more not accomplished but definitely more at home in the mountains than I do live in where I do now and we've toyed with the idea of moving somewhere more rural. So I'm originally from Wales, which is very mountainous and very rural. And I didn't take advantage of the fact that that was the case when I was younger. And now I go back there and it gives me that appreciation for the beauty that's there. Yeah. I feel you on that. Because when I was younger, it was always just a case of, well, I want to go out to a town and the nearest town is 10 miles away. The next bus is not for another two and a half hours. There isn't that opportunity to sort of do anything where we lived. Whereas what we actually had was these mountains and lakes that were on our doorstep that we completely ignored. Mm. So every time I go back home now, I kind of feel silly for doing that, but also it's given me a greater appreciation for the area I grew up in. Which is excellent. And I think we, I've spoken to this before with other guests on, on the show is that we become normalized to our area, right? I mean, looking outside where I'm at right now, there's a beautiful freshwater lake and some rolling hills. And, you know, to me, like I appreciate the hell out of it, but it's become normal to me. Whereas if you came over here, your eyes would be like this big. Um, and same if I came over to you, right? Like, I, I think it's so cool that we can still be normalized to something and appreciate it at the same time. I think I used to feel guilty about that. I used to feel guilty, but now I realize that that's just normal in itself. Um, but let me ask you this, since I already mentioned earlier, I said it, we would get to around, around to it. I, for the longest time, however, whenever I discovered your Instagram feed, I looked at your grid and said, this is what earth tones are supposed to be. Sorry if I'm embarrassing you, but that's what I said to myself. Um, and for everybody who goes and looks at your profile after who's not familiar with your work, I'm sure they will. You'll probably get some messages. Lloyd's page is earth tones, the definition. And I wanted to know, this is an interesting question that I've never asked anyone. And we can spend a little bit of time on this, how you view the world from an internal perspective and from your camera. And if those two views are the same or if they blend together or if they're completely different, I know it's kind of a weird, vague, vague philosophical question, but I think it would be perfect for you to maybe speak about. So I found my photography style through 
getting out of that busy life that I was living, it was an escape for me. Mm-hmm. So I found those moments of solace and serenity out in nature where where my tones came from was that sort of influence on uh, lighting and right. theatre lighting and making the most of a situation, kind of creating how that image looked to me in the photo. So always showcasing places in their best possible light is mm-hmm. how I used to phrase it. Whereas now it's, I'm trying to create what I, um, what's the best way to put this? I would take photos, but I would make art, which is cheesy as hell. Um, but I feel like my edits brought the photos to life. I feel less so now. I feel like I've, wanted to in in fact since going sort of commercial and going down the more freelance route creating more of a uh mature edit so that what everything do you mean by that? so everything has a realism to it my like older style yeah absolutely and having a narrative and right. bringing my bringing an audience into an image so that they know what it was like to be there whereas before it was very hyper realistic and felt very like fantasy yeah like a dreamscape Mm. um so i kind of dialed back on that because i wanted to showcase what the world was like because it's trying to make the most of a situation photography is a lot of being in the right place at the right time yeah um it's also making sure you're in that right place. Yeah. And so I wanted to, I wanted to sort of with these more mature edits, I wanted to give an impression to the viewer, um, of what I was feeling in that moment. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did. It did. And I think it speaks to a concept that we get into quite frequently on this podcast about, um, like for example, when I am taking a landscape photo, I haven't in a while cause I've been so big on wildlife, but when I am, when I'm clicking the shutter in that moment, I'm already envisioning the end result. So yeah. I'm very much working backwards and I, I've, I've always struggled to <laughs> explain this process and I've probably brought it up five or six times now by now I've lost track and I feel like I'm doing this because every time I try to help explain it better for those people who are consistently asking, how do I find a style? Right. Cause that's, I'm sure you get asked that all the time. How do I find my style? Or at least you see comments like that floating around. And to me, I just kind of, like you said, I picture how I want this view of the world to be. I see the end results before my finger even like I do all the setting up, but I see how it's going to be in post in the editing process. It's a very much, it's a process in reverse if, if I'm making any sense at all. But I think you're kind of speaking to that. And I think a lot of people work like that um, where they know what they want it to transform into 
And it's just a matter of being technically sound in the moment. But I'm interested to hear what your theater background has taught you, especially about lighting and photography and how you've been able to leverage that skill set into your photography. So the, my theater background. So for those who don't know, I've been in, th- I was in theater for 15 years. I worked full time for nine of those in the theater. I've, I was just, just in until November of last year. And my bias was always lighting. There was mm. always something about lighting. I had, the skill sets of all the other disciplines, but my focus was always how can I <laughs> how can I not do those and do the lighting side of things more so. Mm-hmm. So I I did lighting design at every opportunity I could get. And the things that it taught me was basically like photography principles, looking at a scene, seeing where your light source is coming from matching your light source if you're doing a product uh photo making sure all your shadows are correct if you are manipulating images then making sure that everything looks realistic so i've done a few sky replacements in the past or Mm. something similar it's just making sure that you've got that uh that knowledge I guess, of where things should be and how things should be lit so that when you're adding those extra light light sources, it doesn't seem... Because people... I can't remember the phrase, but it's like it's the unusual feeling that someone would get because it's not quite right. Yeah, almost... Uh, uh, I would say the word would be dissonant for those who want to grab a dictionary (laughs) (laughs) dissonant to describe dissonant. It's when you go up to like a piano and you click the two note, the two keys, but that are right beside each other at the same time. And it gives that horror movie type of thing. That's dissonance. And I get that feeling all the time in photos where you just can't pin it, but something's not right. Yeah, definitely. And I think when I first discovered photography and I was talking about my sort of hyper-realism, mm-hmm. I was using those skill sets of adding additional lighting in to heighten a scene because I felt like it needed more light. And having the opportunity and having the skill set with photography. So when I first started, obviously I was just using what was available and it took me a long time before I started adding my own spin on things and finding that style that we were talking about. But once I found it and a lot of it's down to Elia Lucardi. So he's a landscape photographer who he did a course called photographing the world. And he has a process where he, photographs moments in time so he will keep his tripod in the same place for hours and he will blend his time from sunset right through to uh blue hour and into the night and so he will create those scenes that seem unrealistic but Mm. they've still got that realism to them because they're all taken from that moment and so i was using some of those skills of blending moments in time without having to 
set a tripod down because I'm not a massive tripod user. No, I feel like it. I. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's becoming a bit of a trend that a lot of the newer photographers, and I say that in inverted commas, don't use tripods no. because they see it as limited. Yeah, I mean, I'm very run and gun. I I hate feeling committed to a spot. Yeah. And also, I guess it's that sort of uh, the the ugly side of Instagram in terms of if you're in a spot and you're trying to get content, trying to make five photos instead of one. Right. Which I guess is a sort of the negative side of things. Yeah, I mean, I'll use a tripod for landscape if I'm trying to focus stack and if I'm trying to exposure bracket. Then I'm using a tripod. Yeah. I use it, so I used to be a long exposure junkie. Oh, yeah? But everything, everything was long expo. <laughs> I, uh, I, love, uh, I, um... I, I I purposely don't do waterfalls long expo just because everyone does it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that you lose that sense of flow if you're always doing long expo. Like the image that I saw that got me hooked on long expo photography was when the waves move and then they turn into mist and they turn into like fog. And I'm like, mind blown that's crazy yeah. how do i do that and as soon as i saw that i was like i need to do that and so i set my mind to always trying to get that shot and then the day it happened i was stoked <laughs> kind of candy like, store yeah i've completed photography now <laughs> yeah i had an hdr phase like that too where i discovered like true hdr and uh oh. for a while there it was it was heading down a dark road. I'm glad I reeled myself back in. But I love, I love when people take a technical concept like long expo or exposure bracketing, whatever, learn it, and then down the road find a, a situation or a way they can implicate it into their photography creatively. Right? I, it's just like Photoshop. Right? Just because all the tools are there, or Lightroom doesn't mean you need to use them all. But if you learn the fundamentals of each tool when a particular moment arises and arises in an edit, you can use that tool creatively. And one of my favorite long expos is by a guy named Walt Harden. Uh, I'm not actually sure if he listens to the show. If he does, I hope I thanks for um, inspiring me with the shot, but he has a photo of one of the Tesla rockets um, launching off over a beach and it's the coolest photo ever. And like he long expoed it. And I just was looking at it thinking, man, I know how much time and effort this took and probably the amount of time you spent refining your skills on long expo for this creative moment is so cool to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, definitely. And I feel like once you've got those in your arsenal, then it's always good that you can just like pull it out. Like Exactly. I want to do more astrophotography. I've done it twice and I always feel like I want that shot of the Milky Way, but having the understanding of how to do it is the first step. So I kind of feel like I'm there, but I need to actually then take those long expo, um, that long expo knowledge and then apply it to Astro because it's a whole different skill set. Yeah. With 
with not with knowledge of long expo on top of it right and i think uh it yeah i mean astro is something i've struggled with i've done a few um but again it just comes down to i guess excuse me personal taste like everybody likes something different i mean i'd rather exert my patience out in the wild waiting for an animal um i think i am someone who's not very technical savvy you know what I mean? Like I know how the general, how ISO works and aperture works and how shutter speed works and how I can use those to my advantage. And I feel really comfortable in Lightroom, but I just don't have the, um, the desire to learn a genre like astrophotography, which is so cool. It's, it's so awesome that we all have different tastes and desires. Like I, I, I love hearing that you're so excited to try and learn that. That's so cool. Yeah, I think um, it's always, like, space has always interested me. Um, but the two times or three times I've done it, I've been freezing cold. And yeah, 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, and that sort of, it goes back to having other people with me. When you've got other people with you and they're both, they're like, they're all experiencing the same thing, mm-hmm. then... Uh, it's a problem shared is a problem halved, right? So you're kind of, you're all going through that same thing. You're understanding the experience that you're going through. And then if you create magic, that's amazing. If not, you've already created that sort of moment and that experience yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes total sense. Well, you know what? I'm going to ask you, because I was, I was telling you, we brief, I brief every a guest who comes on, before we start recording about what we're going to talk about, just so we're not babbling, but I like to blindside people and I'm going to blindside you with this. I'm going to ask you what fulfills you. Moment of silence, please. (laughs) What happens every time I ask this to people, because you know, this is something you really got to think about. Like when do you feel most fulfilled as a, as a, you know, as Lloyd, as a photographer, you know, as a, as a husband, I don't know anything like what, what is fulfillment to you? I feel like when I've experienced something, so I feel like I'm quite a goal driven person Mm -hmm. and I've always set myself goals and I've always had those sort of check marks in life of Mm -hmm. this is happening in my life and therefore I'm going to do this. And once that's done, I'll move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like once I've achieved goals, I felt fulfilled, but in my sort of everyday general life, just being out in in nature and experiencing those moments of calm and being somewhere that isn't familiar mm-hmm. and experiencing like going to Canada for the first time and going up over the hill and seeing Pato Lake, like right. that's just an incredible experience yeah. and something that I wanted to do for so long. <laughs> and before we left, I didn't show Sophie any of the pictures of Canada or any of the places that we wanted to go to. Really? That's interesting. So, so it was all on me because I've got a Google maps that is full of places that I want to go to. And I'm always the trip planner regardless of kind of whether it's with Sophie or more of like the group and stuff. I've always got somewhere that I'm like, we should check this place out. And I feel like when 
you go to those places and you experience them for yourself. Some of them don't live up to it, but when they do, like, and you've captured that moment, I think that's fulfillment for me. Perfect. I'm I'm over here trying to contain my excitement for a few reasons. One, because you you sucked up with Canada and you kissed ass with Canada. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm I'm trying to contain my excitement because I say this all the time that fulfillment equals progress, right? When you're when you're working towards something and there's meaning and purpose to what you're doing, and when you actually hit that and you take a moment to celebrate it, that's fulfillment. And the few people I've asked on this show, not one of them has said, you know, I'm fulfilled when I get paid. You know, every one of them has said I'm fulfilled when I have an, an awesome experience with a person or a place um, and when I'm living up to what I've set out to do. So, Lloyd, thank you for being the first guest on season two. We're going to stick around for season two for sure. I know that uh, you are probably responsible for half of my listens. <laughs> but no, this has been great, man. I've had a lot of fun talking with you and um You've contributed to the UK guest roster. Um, we'll have to get more of you on because you folks are so cool. Big up the UK boys. Yeah, I really I, appreciate you asking me, Seth. I know it's been a long time coming, but yeah, I had great fun with it. Cool, man. You take care. Yeah, nice one, man. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. If this was of any value to you, it would be awesome if you shared it to your stories, told a friend about it, or hey, if you just want to be downright selfish, that's cool too. Until next time, everyone, go get shooting, go get editing, and stay focused. See you then.